0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911, one-man car. Well, John DeG Rolamo, can you hear me, my friend? Hello, John. Can you're coming you? through loud? Yeah, okay. can you hear me? I can hear you perfect. Hey, John, we have we <laughs> okay. we have we have a mutual friend by the name of Kyle Clement, and he says, hey, Jess, you need to get this guy on your show. So I just want to just give a shout out to Kyle, who, who, uh, who introduced me to you. He told me that you're an author of three books on human sex trafficking. Uh, the books are called It's Not About the Badge. That's one of them. The second one is called It's Not About Sex. And the third one is called, It's Not About the Predator. You're also a winner of the 2002 Hope uh, PYX International Book Award. And John DiGirolamo's website is, quote, it's not about dot com. It is not about dot com. I'll mention it again. It is not about dot com. Don DiGirolamo is a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and anti-human trafficking advocate and is a member of the Christian Authors Network and Christian Indie Publishing Association. He's the board president of Bringing Our Valley Hope, a nonprofit located in Chaffee County, Colorado, whose objective is to end human trafficking in central Colorado through through education. And uh, John DiGirolamo is a retired CPA who's worked in various management positions at both small and large technology companies and currently lives in Chaffee County, Colorado. Well, John, welcome to uh, Jesus 911, my friend. There's a lot of questions I want to ask you. In light of the movie, The Sound of Freedom, that just came out, uh, what an incredible movie. I, I I know the the actor and director, Eduardo Verastegui, we're good friends. And I know Alejandro Montever- Monteverde as well. And uh, that movie, The Sound of Freedom, was a great movie. And a lot of people are probably asking, so what's the rest of the story that's why we have you here, John. You've written three books on this topic. So what is the rest of the story? Yeah,
0: I, I agree. It was, it was a great movie. Well done, well acted. Uh, the rest of the story is that it happens right here in this country, right under our nose, hiding in plain sight. You know, a lot of people think that it happens in big cities, New York, L.A., and on the border, and it absolutely does. But what's surprising is that it happens in small town and rural America, and that's what I wanted to write about was the stories that nobody uh, thinks about because it's hiding in plain sight. You know, I've got all kinds of stats I can um, kind of set the stage that give you, you know, what's going on in this country.
1: Well, for, uh, John, let's go right back to the very beginning, just for the audience, for people that don't sure. even don't even know. Uh, what human trafficking is give us a working definition of what what is human trafficking
0: yeah so that's that's going to be when somebody is exploited through force fraud or coercion and it can be sex trafficking or labor trafficking which is also something that happens in this country Sometimes they overlap, and they do have a, de- uh, a demographic. Of course, the movie really focused on more of the child uh, sex trafficking issue.
1: But this also happens, obviously, with with, with probably young adults as well, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely that sort of thirteen to twenty year old is the is the main age for exploitation.
1: And you know what? I'm probably guessing, John. I think I'm probably tracking in the right direction. I'm guessing that the preferred victim is female, right? Or not necessarily.
0: Well, that's one of the surprising things is that boys are exploited 40 to 45% of the time. Most people find that pretty surprising. Wow. Yeah. Yep.
1: So, So give us, in regards to human trafficking, give us the misperceptions versus the reality. Break some bubbles here. Person bubbles.
0: Yeah, so so in the movie, you know, it takes place mostly in a foreign country. And in this country, there's not a lot of kidnapping. That is a big misperception. It's three to five percent, uh, according to the FBI. And uh and so it's not someone who's being snatched off the street corner uh and then and taken away, um know, in that circumstance. So that's one one big thing. The other thing is that it isn't just targeted at uh, poor kids. It can happen in suburban America, in nice towns while teenagers are still in high school. That's also a big surprise. And that's because in this country, 60% of the time, the person is exploited by somebody that they know. And that could be a family member, Mm. someone in the neighborhood, someone they go to school with, Or the big uh, developing issue is online friends. You know, kids today think having a thousand friends and followers is a goal, but it's actually a problem because I guarantee if you have a thousand people in your social network and you're 15, some of them are going to be predators and they can really, you know, kind of target that. But kids today think that online friends are real friends, even though they may have never actually met them uh, in person.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah, that's a huge problem. So, uh, so John, h- how is pornography and uh, our culture, how does that feed into human trafficking?
0: Yeah, so it, there there's a lot of factors that, um, that that impacts. So if we look at kind of pornography today, the trend is that it's being looked at by younger and younger ages. So the average age now is about 10 years old. And that's shocking to to most parents. And when you're viewing pornography at that age, it really rewires the brain. And it gives you this warped sense of what a relationship should look like, what sexuality should look like. Uh, It's certainly degrading to women uh, and men as well. So it it gives you this really skewed view. Now, if you take that... um, that perception. And now your brain is rewired, you've seen this, you're probably addicted to it. Now it seems like making content is normalized. You know, we have a lot of issues in this country, where bad behavior is normalized. This is one of them, right. And, and so now that person sees something on a video, and seeing it on the screen isn't enough, they want to now act it out in person. And of course, You know, pornography tries to make uh, the person in there as young looking as possible, even if they're over 18, they'll dress them up so they look like they're 12. So it's kind of feeding that pedophilia and it's feeding that person's wanting to live out that fantasy in real life. And, you know, there's only two ways to do it. They can exploit someone that they know in kind of a sexual abuse situation or they're going to have to go find somebody and that's where they're going to run into the trafficker.
1: John, what do what does uh, John Q. Citizen Joe Sixpack do if they suspect human trafficking behavior in their neighborhood, in their neighborhood, or amongst one of their family members or the relationships? What do we do? Yeah,
0: so there is uh, there is a national hotline. Uh, many states have their own state hotline that will go into a law enforcement um, where they can do an investigation there's also a lot of nonprofits out there. And they're going to either help with, you're know, talking through with somebody to decide, hey, is this something that needs to be brought to law enforcement, or many times they're going to try to help somebody who's a victim, and get them out of that situation, and get them into more of a survivor mode. So people can definitely, um, you know, contribute financially to these organizations. Or they can uh, you know, they can they can help them out because if you think about it, if somebody's been exploited, they get out of that situation. They don't really have life skills. They don't know how to get a job, do you know? Put together a resume, put together a household budget. They may be a teenager that they haven't graduated from high school, so they've got all kinds of skills that need to be built. And people can can help volunteer. You know, the nonprofit that
1: I'm with. John hold we that thought. We're, we're coming to a hard break. You're listening to Jesus 911. Uh stick around. We'll be right back talking about human sex trafficking.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We're back Jesus 911.
1: I'm here talking with John DiGirolamo. He's an author of three books on human sex trafficking. He's the winner of the 2022 Hope Pyx International Book Award. His website is itisnotabout.com. dot com. It is About dot com. He's a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and anti-human trafficking advocate, and uh, he's got a he's got a pretty impressive bio. And I'm asking them questions here about human trafficking because this is uh, this is trending right now. This is front and center. This is the topic of the day. Everybody's talking about this. And I happen to have somebody who's who has a, a, a certain expertise in this area. John, let me ask you, how did you get pulled into this area? How did you become an advocate in this area? How did you uh, start acquiring an expertise in this area or even an interest in this area? How did that happen?
0: Uh, Sure. So I was I was writing my first book, which was about police officers. It's not about the badge. And, um, you know, that goes through the human side of policing. And I would ask uh, the officers a bunch of questions in an interview. I'd always answer with easy questions. One of them was, uh, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I'm expecting uh, I'd go to the lake and go fishing all day. And one of the officers just stopped stone cold and stared at me and said, I'd quit my job, and I'd hunt down human traffickers. And at that moment, two things struck me. One, I knew I had my next book idea. But two, I realized that I didn't know that much. I had a surface-level knowledge. And I figured if if I only know a few headlines and, and a couple of Hollywood movies, I don't really know the real stories that are out there. And I figured most people don't either. So I wrote the book. To put together these stories that people can learn about it, but they're learning about it with, you know, a plot line, characters, dialogue, action, etc. And so that that's when I really became passionate about it, because to me, it's one of the most evil things that somebody can do to somebody else. And that's why I decided to write that book. Um, I followed it up with, it's not about the predator, which really expands on predators, not just for human trafficking, but for other things, uh, maybe extortion, or maybe they want to get explicit pictures or meat or something like that. And that, and that's a, that's a broader topic than just the trafficking, but that's how I got into it.
1: Got it. Got it. And, and, uh, and your last book is, is, uh, it's not about the sex, right? That's, that's the last book that you wrote, the most current one.
0: Uh, I
1: Both that
0: and the Predator book came out last year. So okay. they uh, they came out kind of simultaneously. And what I realized is that the playbook, the tactics of a Predator for human trafficking, what they do and say is very similar to if they're just looking for, say, getting pictures of a 15-year-old.
1: Mm, interesting. Uh, well, that obviously uh john you're you're a man of faith i'm sure i'm sure your faith has kind of impelled you in this direction because i mean this is this is spiritual war at its at its finest uh so i i have no doubt that you're probably also impelled to move in this direction by your faith right
0: yeah exactly yeah. you know i've been um cradle catholic uh, very traditional uh, active in the church etc and, you know, it it, it kind of came to me that a lot of parents just are so busy these days and they don't really have some of that basic knowledge and awareness. And I felt this was my way of trying to provide that information. You know, if it just saves one kid from getting exploited, it's totally worth it. And yeah. so, That's why I'm really into awareness. You can't solve a problem that you're not aware of. You don't know that a predator is out there unless you know about some of the warning signs, some of those
1: grooming signs. John, how does somebody get trapped in human trafficking and why why is it that they can't leave? Or what makes it difficult for them to leave?
0: Sure. So when it comes to trafficking, there's two types of criminals. Uh, There's a gorilla pimp which is kind of as its name implies, very violent, very quick to kind of coerce that person into a uh, trafficking situation. Uh, What's more common is what they call the Romeo pimp. And as that name implies, they try to build a relationship with that person. Think of um, an older boyfriend type of situation, trying to um, coerce um, a young female. And the next thing you know, they've then brought that person, they've kind of tried to isolate them. They'll tell them things like, only I love you, only I'm the one that's going to take care of you. Don't trust your parents. Don't trust the police. You know, they're going to look for somebody who's vulnerable. So they get them into the situation, and then they're going to use both physical and psychological methods to try to keep them. So, for example, they're going to try to shame them and tell them no one's going to believe you, that, you know, you're you're a you're a bad person, et cetera. No one's going to want you now. You're damaged goods. So they really try to psychologically break you down. And, you know, if you have somebody who's 18, 20, 25, trying to coerce somebody who's just 14 or 15, you know, they're really no match for these master manipulators. And then when, when they're in that situation, they're going to exert control. They're going to take away their cell phone, their laptop, their money, their ID, et cetera. They're going to deprive them of food, sleep. They're going to keep them on a very strict schedule because they can get exploited you know, 10 times a day. And so they've got this kind of physical and mental um, uh, control that they're trying to exert. And it's just very difficult for that person to get out of that situation. That's why tr- survivor rates are really about ten percent or less because somebody's so broken they turn to drugs. Um, they may be homeless after they're, uh, you know, discarded by the criminal, and and once you're homeless and hooked on drugs, you know, it, it, it's a spiral downward, unfortunately.
1: Well, John, everything that you're that you're sharing right now. That movie, Sound of Freedom, it, it must have, uh, you must have been doing backflips when you watch that movie. You're, you're, you probably said, finally, somebody's making a Hollywood movie, exposing everything that I'm writing about. This is a very real problem. I mean, you were probably, you know, giving high five in the air to, you know, uh, Jim Caviezel and Alejandro Monteverde and Eduardo Verastegui. You're probably giving them fist pumps in the air. Say, good good going, guys. I've been writing about this for years, and I'm glad that uh, this is finally front and center in the big tree. You know, I noticed that the woke left, the Hollywood left, uh, the political left, that movie triggered them. They are angry about this movie. What do you think that is?
0: <laughs> well, you know, there's lots of theories about that. I mean, my understanding is that movie sat on the shelf for five or six years. And um, you know, I I think you know Hollywood is such a depraved place. They don't want to have moral judgments. They really don't mind the sexualization of children and teens. And so, this kind of movie brings that topic front and center. um, And they don't like talking about it. You know, it it, it almost reminded me of an Epstein Island type of situation. And boy, Hollywood doesn't want
1: to talk about that, do they? They sure don't, John. So how does how does the survivor persevere through this type of adversity?
0: Yeah, so that's you know that's a that's a really uh, tough situation for for the folks. They they've got to uh, first they've got to get out of that situation and get out permanently. You know, sometimes somebody falls back into being retrafficked. Um, And unfortunately, that that happens a lot more than than people think. Mm -hmm. But what they need to do is, you know, they need to get with nonprofits and other agencies that can really kind of help them navigate the system. If they're young, they may need to go back to school. Um, And, you know, they've got to get uh, therapy. Ultimately, they've got to do two things. They're going to have to. Uh, You know, kind of deal with their trauma. And they're never going to, you know, they're never going to be 100%. They're going to have to manage that trauma, hopefully with a relationship with Christ, where they can really kind of lean on Him, get His strength to see themselves not as a victim. You know, it's a real switch of the mindset looking at yourself from a victim to looking at yourself as a survivor. Sometimes that takes decades, and they may ultimately have to you know work through forgiveness of of the people that exploited them, not for the criminal's purpose but for their own purpose you know it's just like if if somebody's harmed you, your forgiveness is a is a big part of that path um but they can't do it alone and and uh you know if if they work with God on their side, you know much better results are going to happen.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's where Kyle Clement and his team come in, <laughs> Liver Crystal. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about online predators, and this is beyond human trafficking. Uh, how do predators approach teens online? Yeah. So what what they're
0: going to do is they're going to go to where the teens are online, uh, where where the kids are, which is which is primarily going to be um in some kind of game or chat room for example and they're going to try to build a relationship get trust you know pretend that they have common interests many times they're going to use fake profiles to hey i'm 12 years old too and i play soccer too and now we have this bond that's the kind of things they're going to try to say but many times it moves very quickly into something more explicit. And that, uh, you know, that's where parents need to really be on top of things. And um, and unfortunately that, you know, a parent thinks, oh, they're playing this game online and that game might be age appropriate. But who knows who's looking in that in that chat room? Because your kid might
1: not be looking for trouble, but I guarantee that
0: trouble's looking for them.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm sure you write about real examples in your books of, of predator tactics to exploit kids and teens. Can you give some? Yeah, sure. So one of them is,
0: um, is something that's happening to boys a lot. So uh, they will, somebody will send a, um, a teenage boy, a friend request or something, you know, follow on Instagram. they will get in a chat room and this attractive say college age um, young woman will send explicit pictures to the teen boy. Now, they could be downloaded from a pornography site, for example, many times they're totally fake profiles, but they'll send out to this boy. And then they will say, well, I've sent you a picture, now you send me a picture. And then as soon as he then falls into that trick, sends a picture of himself, it moves into extortion. And they will then say, "You need to send me money, or I'm going to send this picture to everybody on your friends, family, everyone in your contacts, etc." I'm going to post it on social media. They're going to shame them.
1: And, John, hold that and, thought. John, hold that thought. We're coming up to a hard break. We're uh, we're listening. We're talking with John here, expert on human sex trafficking. We'll be right back. Stick around
0: now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: We're back. We got John DiGirolamo. He's a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and anti human trafficking advocate. Uh, he's written several books on this topic. He's obviously knows what he's talking about. Before we continue with John, I just want to mention for those of you that have never been to the Holy Land, I'm doing a Holy Land trip, October 6th to the 16th. Uh, that's the land where Jesus walked, our Lord and Savior. Uh, as Catholics, we call the Holy Land the fifth gospel. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Holy Land is the fifth gospel. It's actually walking the footsteps of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So if you've never been there. And if you'd like to go with myself, my wife, and Father Dave Nix, uh, we invite you to come. Just go to my website, jessieromero.com. Jesse Click on the flyer and you can sign up. We still have a few seats available. We'd like to go, we'd like you to come with us. What an incredible trip. Nine days in the land where God walked. Okay, let's go back to here John DeGirolamo. And John is uh John has walked in places where most most men have never walked. He's talking about human sex trafficking on a level that I've never even heard before. And so uh this is this is what I would call red meat for the brain. So, John, uh, you're talking about ways that these predators exploit kids. You want to finish off finish off those thoughts?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, the, so when they exploit somebody, uh, that person then can easily be cyberbullied. They can go into depression, self harm, etc. So, the predator online is going to go after the boys mostly for extortion money. For the girls, they want to get more uh, explicit content, or they want to meet. Mm. So another example is, mm. they will, uh, you know, chat up uh, somebody who's a, a, a young female teen, and they'll say, hey, send me $10. I'm sorry, I'll send you $10 for a picture of your feet. And the girl will say, okay, what's the big deal? My feet. I could use that $10 I can go to, they'll send them a gift card, or something on Amazon or, or, or send it via, you know, like uh, PayPal or something like that. Well, they'll try to get that person used to sending pictures for money, then they'll start asking for something more explicit for $20 $50 $100. And they'll ratchet it up. And that's a tactic that they'll use. Now, just to go back to one of the concepts we talked about in pornography, if if teens are looking at pornography at a younger and younger age, they're seeing these, these images, that is normalizing a teen making, uh, you know, say teen sexting, for example, they're making their own content. So if that becomes normalized, which it has, because it happens in middle school as well as high school, then all of a sudden sending a picture to a total stranger doesn't seem as unusual as it should, because of that normalization of you know of of pornography, and so you know the predators are going to use that to their advantage to try to get images of people um, underage where they they can then you know trade with other people who have child pornography, for example.
1: John, you just mentioned teen sexting. This has been around for a while now. I, I've I've, I've... Heard about this for years now. How worried should yes. parents be? Uh, they should absolutely
0: be terrified. So uh, the stats out there are that by the time someone graduates from high school, ninety percent of those graduates have seen or received an an explicit picture. You know, I've got and in my book I show headlines of middle schoolers who. Uh, Uh, It blows up in the school. Somebody sends a picture, and then that person decides to send it on a group chat. Now, all of a sudden, 20 middle schoolers have this this victim's picture. Now, your kid might not be sending a picture and might not be asking for a picture. But what if your kid is on that 20-person chat? Well, now they've got child pornography of a middle schooler, which by definition in any state is going to be illegal. And then they bring it home and you're looking at their phone. Maybe you're checking stuff as a good parent would do. Now you've come across this image of a 13-year-old. So you could see it just totally blows up. And so every parent should be absolutely terrified about this because not only could it expose your kid, but, you know, sometimes that kid will make a mistake and send a picture of themself.
1: Hmm. Hmm. So give us an action item here, John. Uh, give us some tips for parents and ways to protect their children.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, it starts with being the parent and not the friend. You've especially these days, you've really got to make that distinction. And you're going to have to have those difficult conversations with your kids, with your teens about predators that are out there, um, you know, behaviors that, does not meet your family values, you know, it, it goes back to sort of biblical uh, views on sexuality and kind of respecting yourself, respecting your your own body, et cetera, respecting others. So you've got to have those conversations and you got to have them more than once. You also need to check your kid's phones. I don't care what they say. There's no privacy when you're paying for the phone and your kid is 14 years old. You're the parent go and check and check often and you're going to want to check in these chat rooms those are the kinds of places where a lot of the predators are and you can get uh software programs that will kind of help you manage this situation they're not 100 but they're definitely helpful and finally you really want to limit their time online don't let them go to bed with their phone uh you know your mom is still right nothing good happens. At 2 a.m. They could be, you know, at best just wasting time on the on the internet. At worst, they could be chatting with a predator.
1: You know, it's uh as if parents don't have enough things on their plate. Now, uh this this makes things this uh the whole thing about social media and uh you know h- trafficking, this makes the parents' job even that much more difficult today. So let me ask you a question, John. Uh this is kind of a macro question. Is is social media safe?
0: No. Uh, so <laughs> you know, we, we could we could just cut to the chase. You know, there's this uh, Babylon Bee meme that shows two parents and a kid with a phone, and the quote is, "Should we give our ten year old a smartphone or just drop him off at the bad guy's house?" <laughs> you know, I, I I can't say it better than that. You know, and there's this thing called dumb phones you can get, especially for kids in that eight, 10, 12 year old, maybe you want to have, they want them to have a phone so you can say, hey, I'm done with practice. You pick me up, et cetera, but you can't send pictures. You don't have internet access. Definitely start your kids with a dumb phone. When it comes to teens, you know, that's a little harder to manage. Every teen will tell you that their social life will be obliterated unless they have a smartphone. I don't think that's true, but I know it's definitely tough for, you know, parents to have that conversation with the kids. So that's where it comes in with these constant discussions and check their phone. They need to know that, that, that you're checking. And, uh, and again, it it may not be your kid with bad behavior, but who knows what somebody is sending them.
1: That's right. All I could say is I thank the Lord that I'm not a young parent. I'm a grandparent. So. (laughs) I could just, uh, you know, that's way past me. Uh, Right. So, um, John, I think in one of your books, you said that a police officer set up a profile as a 13-year-old. And uh, you've also said that every parent needs to know what happened next. Can you elaborate on that?
0: Sure. So so I interviewed uh, Officer David Gomez, who... Uh, has a pretty big following on Facebook. And he's been for over a decade, uh, training parents, schools, teachers, administrators, etc, about what goes on in the schools with technology. So I interviewed him. and, And he told me this story. And so essentially, he went undercover online as a 13 year old girl. And within the first 24 hours, he was getting friend requests from all these people who um, were not associated with the middle school. And um, within that 24 hours, uh, this profile was asked for explicit pictures there, you know, th- these predators there, it's so e- easy to add friends to your social network, right? It takes two seconds to, to, to click on, send a request or accept your request. And so someone's just gonna send out a hundred requests very quickly, very easy, see who's reacts. So anyway, so, so Officer Gomez gets this request for explicit pictures. And then the person says, hey, let's let's meet on a, on a date. I, I wanna take you out to dinner. And Officer Gomez types back, well, how do I get to a date? I'm only 13, I can't drive. Do I ride my bike, mm-hmm. you know? And so this person on the other end then started saying, well, let's just, let's eat in, let's go to a motel. And they started explaining all the things they wanted to do to this 13 year old. So officer Gomez is is behind his computer saying, okay, sure, let's meet. And of course they promptly arrest this guy at the motel and they found he had sent over a hundred requests to middle schoolers. 90% of those middle schoolers had just blindly accepted the criminals friend request. 90% 20% had sent some kind of picture. And he had two previous encounters with somebody at a motel. And the guy had video evidence. So they arrested him put him away for a long time. Now the the kicker with this story is this guy was arrested. And he couldn't make his dinner plans. Why do I bring that up? Because it was the rehearsal dinner for his own wedding. He was arrested the night before he was going to get married. And so he was going to marry this lady who had a um, a kid by a previous marriage. Guess how old the daughter was of his fiance? 13. I, I can't make this stuff up. I can't make this stuff up. And that, you know, so true story. So, you know, that's... It just shows that they'll swoop in, and anybody that reacts, anybody that seems vulnerable, they're just going to zoom right in on, and they're going to ask for pictures. They're going to ask to meet. You know, I, I've got headlines um, that, that, hold, I that, thought, and, John, that I talk about. Hold that thought,
1: John. Hold that thought. We're coming to a hard break. I want to continue with the story. Okay. Jesus 9 one We're listening to talk to you with John DiGirolamo. We'll be right back.
0: Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526
1: 2151. We're back, Jesus 911. Remember the Holy Land trip. If you want to come with me October 6th to the 16th, go to my website, jessyromero.com. It's going to be an unforgettable experience to walk in the footsteps of the land where Jesus walked. We Catholics call that the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John and the Holy Land. We're talking to John DiGirolamo. He's an acclaimed author. He's an expert on human sex trafficking. He's blowing my mind. My head is my head is exploding as I'm asking him these questions. My head is spinning. Uh, he's just a wealth of information on one of the most pressing topics uh, that we're all dealing with right now. It's all around us. and And a movie that just exposed this. It, it has a national conversation. The Sound of Freedom, an incredible movie. If you haven't watched it. And, uh, and we need to be made aware of this, and all of us have to do something about it, uh, at the very least, start praying against it, uh, you know, bare minimum. But every one of us has to start doing something about this, because this is an international problem. So, John, you are talking about this police officer that set up a profile with a 13-year-old, and uh, you're basically giving us some of the details, because every parent needs to know what happened. Can you continue with that story?
0: sure so you know it's very easy to set up multiple profiles as a predator you know it takes a matter of minutes it's very easy to do that and so you know staysafe.org estimates there's seven hundred and fifty thousand predators online at any given time during the day and so it, you know it, your kid might not be looking for trouble but trouble is looking for them mm-hmm. and so You've got to monitor what what they're doing, and and make sure that they understand. If something sounds weird, you know. And this officer Gomez told me the story about the ten dollar pick for a picture of your feet. Somebody somebody's kid went to their mom and said, "This seems really weird." And so the mom went on there. That kid had been chatting to this predator for weeks, and yet they were just kind of grooming them along, and so. You know, having having that conversation with your kid, if something seems a little weird, a little off, they're asking any strange questions, you know, have them come and and talk to you, the parent.
1: John, I don't know if you remember, but years ago, there was a there was a series on television. It was called To Catch a Predator. I used to watch it all the time. It was phenomenal. Uh, I forget the guy that hosted the show, but I think, as I recall, I think he ended up getting arrested himself uh but it was a really good movie a, a, a television series called to catch a predator and they would go through uh they would go through these cases they would basically call the people up and they take cameras and it, it was well done uh and and that was starting to put a national spotlight on this this as well uh let me ask you a question uh, the sound of freedom i think in the credits it says that the biggest consumer of human sex trafficking is the united states of america our country is that what your research has come up with
0: uh yeah unfortunately you know that's true from a financial perspective you know i've heard a stat out there that uh, sex trafficking in this country makes more money than major league baseball the nfl and the nba combined and when you think about that it, it just blows your mind away and it's not very far from making more money than the drug enterprise. That's the number one criminal uh element in this country.
1: And uh from what I understand as well from watching the movie uh Sound of Freedom it, is that the Mexican cartels are are uh they're front and center when it comes to this right now because they're seeing, like you said, that you can make more money or uh you know with human sex trafficking than you can peddling drugs. So uh, and we know that the, we know that the Mexican cartels These guys are all avowed Satanists. They all all, uh, are consecrated to the devil in a a black mask uh, through the cult of La Santa Muerte. So uh, uh, let me ask you another question. Uh, How can teens circumvent parental controls on electronic devices? What are some of the things that the teens are doing?
0: Sure. So, you know, when I was a kid, if you wanted to be sneaky, you had to either be creative or ask your friends. Now, all you have to do is ask Siri, Alexa, and YouTube. So I I suggest to every one of your listeners, go to YouTube and type in, what do I do if I have strict parents? And you will be blown away by all of the self-made teen YouTube videos telling other teens how to circumvent their parental controls. When I did this, when I was writing the book, the number one um, video that came out was from a young lady in her bedroom smoking a bong and it was the advanced version of her video series on how to get around your parents. It had nine hundred and seventy four thousand views, Jesse and 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 it and you there's page after page after page of this stuff. So a couple quick things on on how a teen can circumvent stuff. First of all, every teen, is always one step ahead of their parents from a technology perspective. So you can do things like do a search and find out, you know, a very popular program, Snapchat. So maybe you're a good parent and you go check that Snapchat story. It looks appropriate. But did you know there's a secret folder called My Eyes Only? And what do you think it's used for? Secrets, things you don't want a parent or someone else to, um, to look at. There's a calculator program that does real math. But if you look that up in the app store, the second line says, hide your photos and keep secrets. And so there's just so many apps out there like that. you know. And you may have put on a, uh, um, a limit that says, hey, at 10 o'clock, your phone turns off. Well, if that kid changes their time zone to Hawaii, guess what? It's not turned off at midnight, is it?
1: Mm, interesting wow uh so john how in my opinion i think common sense would tell any one of us that pornography has everything to do with this human sex trafficking pornography it's 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 what fuels all of it uh pornography in our culture it feeds texting or sexting and I think it also fuels a predator's brain. I, I remember I watched uh, an interview with uh, Ted Bundy before the the night before he was executed, and he was on with Dr. James Dobson, and he said, "I started watching pornography as a, at a very young age, and he said I could never ever look at a woman the same again." Uh, everybody should watch that interview. But but uh, m- let me ask you. Tell us how pornography and the culture is feeding the sexting and the way it fuels the predator's brain. Sure. So,
0: you know, it's it. a lot of people say it's like an addiction. Uh, you know, there's a nonprofit out there called Fight the New Drug, uh, and it's all about pornography addiction. And so well, what happens if you're addicted? You need a new high. You need something that is more more um let's just say depraved than just looking at it at an image, and those images they're trying to make them younger and younger, so it's going to essentially destroy that innocence, and the trend is that it's you know it's more deviant, more degrading, more violent, and so they're going to try to live out those fantasies, and the only way they can do that is through sexual abuse of somebody they know or they're going to look for some kind of a you know trafficking situation where they can do something that no one else no normal person would ever let them uh do and because they've seen it so much on pornography they're viewing that as normal you know we've we've made um you know sex in, in into something that's totally different that's within the confines of marriage intimate relationship you know etc there's so many things that are outside of that. And so it really feeds that predator's brain to want more. And if there's, if they're addicted to it, then they're just wanting more and more, worse and worse, younger and younger.
1: And it's just a, it's a complete downward spiral. John, how can people get a hold of your books? Give us the title of your three books and how can people uh, purchase these books?
0: Uh, Sure, so they're all selling on Amazon and uh, you can find out more about me at my website you know the uh the book about uh it's not about the sex which is stories from four different perspectives a law enforcement officer a survivor a brothel uh, madam's tale of redemption um and an advocate and they're real stories based upon their testimony there's a great audio version of that book so uh i invite people to check that out and they're they really kind of tell you everything that you need to know through a plot line at the end of the book there's a whole section about what you can do and i list in bullet points very easy to read grooming signs you know red flags those kinds of things so it kind of gives parents a little bit of an idea because Maybe your kid isn't being groomed, but what about their friend on their volleyball team or that quiet kid in the back of the classroom? Just being aware of that can start asking questions. It can mean other things, but it could mean
1: an exploitation situation. One more time, John, how can people get a hold of your books? Go to where? Amazon? Right? it,
0: it Go to Amazon. You can look up the name of the book, uh, my name, or in my website, there's also a link and that's www it is not about .com
1: it is it is not about .com it is not about .com well my friend uh john DiGirolamo, you've done an incredible work for society you've done a great boon for society you've done a great work for the body of christ as a fellow catholic and uh and i hope uh that uh, uh that people access your information because what you shared with the last fifty minutes was mind blowing. I've never met anybody that has the type of information that you have between your ears regarding this human sex trafficking. You really connected a lot of dots, and uh, want to thank you for coming on the on on, our, on the show, Jesus Nine One One. Any party comments to the audience, my friend? Yeah, it, it's just you know, stay diligent. You know, pay attention.
0: Um, you know don't trust technology i i guess is 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 my final parting parting uh, words and and uh and again be the parent not the friend you know i was really excited to be on the show jesse i really appreciate you having me on
1: yeah well thank you very much and thank you i thank our much i want to thank our mutual friend kyle clement uh for telling me about you yep and uh keep up the good work my friend that's all i can tell you stay close to jesus because you're definitely involved in spiritual warfare. What you're doing right now, you're exposing the diabolical. And so just know that uh, that uh, you and I, ha- we have to stay, remain in a state of grace, stay protected, stay close to our Lord, stay close to our Lady, because the evil one does not like what you're doing. He does not like, he does not like what I'm doing. So uh, thank you very much, brother, for coming on. God bless you. Keep the faith, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you, Jesse. You got it. Up next, we got Gary Machuto coming up with Hands on Apologetics. He's coming to you for the Midwest Command Center. Uh, stick around. You know, Gary's always got an incredible show. And for us, Jesus 911, we are out. End of plot, DOW. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ time. God bless you. you